0: Welcome to a brand new edition of Promatic Women. I'm Lauren Evans
1: and I'm Virginia Allen. Okay, so you know when everyone gets old, I think we think about like what what exactly will people? Say about us is you know we're like Captain Walker
0: uh, Virginia I am thirty one so <laughs> I am already in the old category <laughs> okay Lauren
1: I mean like old like eighty five okay okay <laughs> so when when you're eighty five years old what what do you want people to be saying about you That's such a like
0: Virginia Ellen question <laughs> When you're eighty five what kind of qualities do you want people to be saying about you Um I don't know I'm funny and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, i did the right thing and just i'm i'm still there hanging out you know enjoying life not not taking myself too seriously you know
1: yeah well i mean like people can say that of you right now so well. i feel like you're on the right track lord <laughs> <laughs> 50 years ago <laughs> stay strong stay strong well so i i recently had this conversation with this sweet older woman who's 85 years old named eleanor McCullen. and for like the past 20 years eleanor has been standing outside of a planned parenthood mm-hmm in Boston doing sidewalk counseling and just talking to moms and individuals who are in these crisis pregnancy situations and loving them really, really well and journeying with them through these really difficult pregnancies. And she has built this reputation um, on one side on the pro-life movement of being this really, really strong, kind-hearted woman. And, of course, the left has billed her oh, as, I'm like, sure. this, yeah, <laughs> like, she might seem sweet, but beware, <laughs> uh, but truly, like, a powerful, feisty loving authentic woman so i am so excited that she was willing to sit down with us here on problematic women and just share her story of like why has she been doing this for so many years literally like in the dead of winter in boston standing outside to try and save babies Um, so i hope that you all enjoy our conversation let's go ahead and get to it It is my honor to be joined today by Pro-Life Sidewalk Counselor, Eleanor McCullen. Eleanor, thank you so much for being here.
2: Well, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to speak with you, Virginia.
1: Well, Eleanor, I want to give just a tiny bit of background uh, for those who might not be familiar with your story. So you sure. are, you're 85 years old, and you have been doing sidewalk counseling outside of Planned Parenthood Clinic, specifically in Boston. For uh, twenty years, right? It's been it's been over twenty years now. Correct? Yeah, it's uh, coming up to twenty two. Coming up to twenty two. Wow. Right. And in that time, you have saved the lives of literally hundreds. Of babies, and I I want to give full disclosure that um, you're actually friends uh, with with my family, with my parents specifically. So I kind of grew right. up hearing stories about this woman named Eleanor who was saving all of these babies in Boston and speaking oh with women and and really looking for opportunities for how you could serve women in crisis pregnancy situations. So I want right. to start by just asking you why? Why did you first decide that you wanted to go stand outside? of Planned Parenthood and talk to women going in to have abortions?
2: Well, that's a good question. I was always pro-life, but I never did anything. <laughs> I just maybe sent a check to maybe Massachusetts Citizens for Life, and that was about it. I thought, well, that's my contribution. I actually said well, they must be doing something about this, hmm. and it turned out um, that I found out I'm they. <laughs> but that's how I felt. They, somebody must be doing something about abortion. So, uh, but then one day I, I had this a dramatic encounter uh, with the Holy Spirit, actually, and it, it I was convicted that not only can I just support people that are helping the young mothers going in to um, an abortion facility, I can't just say that, oh, good for you. I have to actually get into the action. So the Holy Spirit convicted me to do that. And uh, once I fell in love with Jesus, there was no debate. I had to do it. Mm -hmm. So I started actually um, back, as you say, um, in 2000, and uh, I was praying. I didn't speak to anybody. I just prayed. Well, when I say just pray, uh, p- prayer is extremely powerful, as mm-hmm. you know. So I um, so I prayed for months and months in front of Planned Parenthood. So that's how I began. And the Holy Spirit just said, "Listen, we need action." prayer and action. So I decided to do something rather than just talk about it.
1: Yeah, and I love that. That's such a challenge to me personally, I think to so many people, because we do hear about these issues. uh, And it's very easy to think, well, someone else is going to take care of it. So it's just amazing that you that you decided, okay, wait, I'm that someone that needs to take action here. So when you went to those Planned Parenthoods, and you started praying, uh, when did you then decide, I would like to engage in conversation with the women going in, and what did that look like?
2: Right. Well, no, I never actually thought I could do it. I just thought the prayer part is my cup of tea. So, but one morning in January of, um, I remember it was snowing, and one of the uh, the men that would speak to someone, he was not feeling well, and he said, "Could I step in?" So I was actually like, "Oh no!" <laughs> but but then um, I decided to, uh, my whole the Holy Spirit just taught me how to take a step in faith. So I, I so I said, "Sure, I'll try it," and that's how it all began. I and uh, it so happened that that morning. That I spoke to a young couple, and I can tell you that story if you like, but the bottom line was that they ended up keeping their baby. And um, so everyone said, well, maybe Eleanor should speak. Uh, she can pray at home. <laughs> maybe she should speak because, yeah, that morning it was a gift of the, my first baby and uh his name is Abraham, and he's actually like I guess he's twenty two now twenty three I usually hear from them at Christmas time, so that's how it all began. But my heart was pounding i I really didn't know what to say and but taking that step in faith so many times we're afraid, but the Lord said, "Do not be afraid." Just take that step in faith and do it. Mm. Whatever it is, just do it. And I'll hold your hand. I'll go with you. You'll be fine. But you have to take that first step in faith.
1: Do you remember what you said to Abraham's parents as they were walking up that sidewalk to go in the doors of Planned Parenthood?
2: Yeah, I do. Exactly. It's almost as if it happened yesterday. Um, Actually, they both went in. They were a married couple, and they both went in, and the gentleman came out to um, have a cigarette. So I saw him and I thought, oh, I felt like I should say something. But as I say, I was nervous. But I did go up. I said, I hate to bother you, but I just wanted to, I began to educate. I think that was my first um, step in uh, learning this is important to educate. So I said, "Do, do, do you mind if I ask you, uh, when the heart is beating in, in in the baby in the womb, and he, you know he seemed annoyed, and he said six months. <laughs> I said no, no, it, it's twenty one days. And then I walked away. I, I, then I went back again. I said, well, do you mind if I ask just one more question? And I asked him about DNA. Do, do you know what that is? And and no, he didn't. I said, well, DNA is formed at the moment of conception. And uh, every every newborn baby has a different DNA. It's the sex of the child and the facial structure of the child. And he still was not interested. But my third question kind of captured his heart. I talked about brain waves. Now, I usually don't begin now educating people, but that day I did. And, um, and when I mentioned brain waves started functioning about 10 weeks, he turned around and he said, it really, and I said yes. I was surprised he was fascinated by that. I said sure, and he said, "Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't think. I thought it was just like a a little tissue." I said, "No, no, this is a beginning. I did say a beginning of a little boy, a very, very, very beginning of a baby boy." So he, I said, "You should go in and get her mm-hmm. out," and he did. Wow. <laughs> so that's how. So I guess my first was educating the men. Uh, That's how I started, and they came out. I took them over for the ultrasound. The miracle of that story was that the ultrasound person, nurse, happened to be in that day. It was a snowy day, and ordinarily she probably wouldn't come in, but she was there and did the ultrasound, and they heard the baby's heart beating, and it was just a miracle morning. And as I said earlier, they ended up having the baby. Very thankful they had their baby boy. How did you know it was a boy? She, he said, I think that he also liked when I said that, boy. And of course, I didn't know, but maybe I did. And uh, so we keep in touch over Christmas. And uh, especially when he was in softball, they would send me pictures in the softball uniform. So, But he's all grown up now. So that's how I began.
1: That, I mean, how precious to still be in touch with that family yeah, to this day. Is. That's incredible. And is it three hundred babies? Am I getting that number right? That you have saved well, in your lifetime? Well,
2: I, I don't. You know, I know everybody is interested in number, but I don't really have a number. Yeah. I don't. I really don't. And uh, I don't. I don't keep a record. I know for the uh, Supreme Court hearing in um, 2015, they also wanted a number and they mm-hmm. estimated. 20 per year and however that comes out. But the numbers aren't important to me. I, I have no idea yeah. because mm-hmm. you don't. I talk to people, but then there's other things that happen along the line. Like when you see counselors standing outside of Planned Parenthood, you might see a car drive up and you, and, and we're holding a sign. Life is precious. And all of a sudden they drive off. Mm-hmm. So you never know. And it's not important. One Or 1,001. One one is is just as precious as any number. But to give you a conservative number, that's what they did for the Supreme Court
1: hearing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I know, like Abraham's family, you have kept in touch with a lot of those families that you've spoken with outside of Planned Parenthoods. Um, And more than just uh, on that, you know, that one day when they visit the Planned Parenthood, you really make it your mission to journey with a lot of these moms with these parents through the whole pregnancy process and even beyond. Why is that important to you
2: well that's the that's the secret of this whole evil um, that's going on with abortion. The secret is you must keep in touch with the mother and the father until they're on their feet uh, because It's one thing to say, oh, good, I'm glad you're keeping your baby. Goodbye, and I'll pray for you. (laughs) I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But you need practical help if uh, you need to stay with them, because now as they choose to keep their child, um, they've lost a lot of friends. Mm
1: -hmm. They may
2: have even lost the father of the baby and and some family members. People don't, so they have to get a whole new set of friends and they they kind of feel isolated what you didn't have the abortion you're kidding me oh my goodness so they, so they lose their, so you have to you have to be a friend and be holding their hand not just with practical help um uh, money wise but just support them because once they leave and they say yes i heard the heartbeat yes i'll keep the baby then they go back into this culture and everybody goes you're kidding me. How can you do that? And then they get kind of, they're fragile. So by keeping in touch, you're supporting. Then I introduce them to other mothers that are expecting. So they have a whole new group of, a a new support system, which is very, very important. Now, most people that I've talked to over the years, once they get over that first initial, oh, I have to go to Planned Parenthood. This is my only answer. I have to do this. Once they get over that, then I find 95% they get their job. The the boyfriend decides, okay, we'll keep the baby. Uh, We got the apartment. life. The Lord blesses those who choose birth. And I've seen it time and time again. Things that were obstacles somehow melt away. So until they say, oh, I'm fine, everything is good, but there are always some that still need, even to this day, need to have support or help, and I'm always there for them. By the grace of God, it all goes back to the glory of God, and He gives me the wherewithal to do it. But it's so important. That's the secret aftercare and help practically, financially, and then just being their friend.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so critical. Well, and I think, um, you know, so many people listening, obviously, we're, we're looking at um, potentially a a post row world coming up quite soon. We've we've talked a lot on this show about the fact that um, there's a case called Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization right. that the Supreme Court will, this summer, they're going to announce their decision on. And that's a case that could overturn Roe v. Wade and send abortion law really back to, to the states for the states to decide. Uh, but this narrative that we often hear from those who are pro-abortion is, well, what are you going to do with all of those unwanted babies um, You know, if, if Roe v. Wade is no more. Um, and Eleanor, what like what is your response to that? What what is your kind of ad- advice practically to the pro life movement? Um, and are we ready as a pro life movement? Are we ready to receive all of these babies and care for them and love these moms well?
2: Well, absolutely. We ha- there's no debate. We will, and we say adoption, not abortion. Uh, that way, the mother knows that the baby has received life. And she's unable to carry, uh, take care of the baby for any number of reasons. So, adoption is very important. Mm-hmm. But even more, even just as important, I guess I would say, is you know, America, we're we're generous people. Um, we, if there's a hurricane or a tornado, and it, and. With anything going on, we don't even know the people in the state where the fire is going on or the hurricane. But we we rush to help them. We rush to make sure they get their houses built up. We rush. We do everything. Americans are generous. But when it comes to the child in the womb, it's hard to understand how we don't pay attention as the children are being taken from the womb and killed. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to know that we will rise to the occasion. If in fact this is the case and adoption doesn't work, then yes, we will rise to the occasion and take care of our children. And we are a generous society and I, I think that's what's going to happen there. That it will be fine. You have to take that step in faith and, and then the Lord will bless the people, bless the babies. And it will be, it will, it will all work good.
1: Mm, I like that. Rise to the occasion. Yeah, that's certainly, um, I agree. I, I think that's exactly what we will see. As yeah,
2: absolutely. We will.
1: Absolutely. Well, and I know, um, kind of speaking of, of court cases and Supreme Court cases, you're no stranger to that you uh, you have faced your fair share of challenges and opposition to the work that you have done um, in the state of massachusetts back in the early 2000s massachusetts where you live they passed a law that sidewalk counselors could not be within 35 feet of an abortion clinic Um, and you you kind of stood up and said wait a second no, that, that's not right. Um, and that's a violation of, of my First Amendment rights. And you actually filed a lawsuit with Alliance Defending Freedom to fight mm-hmm. that. Um, and ultimately, in 2014, the Supreme Court unanimously struck down that law. It was an right. eight-year-long legal battle. Why? Why did you decide it was worth that fight to say, "Okay, no, I'm I'm going to go to court for years so that <laughs> I can stand uh, right there on the sidewalk in front of a Planned Parenthood uh, and don't have to be 35 feet away"?
2: Yeah. Well, there again, when the, when uh, they first contacted me, they said, "This is not right, Eleanor," and I said, um, "Oh, you know, we'll get used to it." And don't worry about it. And and that was like on a Monday. And about <laughs> Tuesday night in the middle of the night, I woke up. And it definitely was the Holy Spirit because, in other words, the message I received was, no, <laughs> what do you mean you'll get used to it? In other words, this is what happens. And we all compromise,
0: mm. whether
2: it's something like this or something else that you say, oh, I guess that's all right, or I guess that's okay. All of a sudden, you wonder, well, how did it all happen? And we let all these little things that we compromised on go by. And so all of a sudden, at 2 in the morning, I said, no, we have, we have to stand for this. This is, this is definitely wrong. We, we should have the right to peacefully speak to people anywhere on the sidewalk. So I called back and said, sure, I'll get involved. So that's how it was. Anything, the Holy Spirit just convicted me again. And so um, fortunately, I listened to the voice and I went forward and it did take seven years. And anything worthwhile takes time. Anything that's really worthwhile isn't done overnight. So you have to be in for the long haul. You have to persevere. You can't get discouraged. You just keep going. And um, that's what we did for seven years, and then the Supreme Court, and then we, we went to uh, Washington, and we heard the arguments. And, of course, then you have to wait from January to June, and then the Supreme Court came out, as you said, uh, unanimously, nine to nothing, which is in itself rare, mm-hmm. uh, that, yes, the sidewalk counselors can speak Uh, peacefully, lovingly, prayerfully to any mother and father that would like to speak to them right before they go in to the abortion facility to end the life of their baby. Mm -hmm. And we're like the last voice, like, just wait, can we talk to you one minute? And, And many, many, many people, as you know, Virginia, say, thank you for being there. So that's what we do. And there again, the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us, but he has a gentle voice. And sometimes he's telling me to do stuff like, I think, oh, that's too hard. <laughs> but, then I think, but then when you listen and he says, I will be with you, I will never leave you, I will, I will give you words, I will do it. But I'm asking you to do the stepping out. Mm. So that's what I've learned over the years, to just listen to that sweet voice.
1: And step out. Mm, uh, take such courage, but I love that. It's it's a good uh, reminder, I think, for all of us well, to think, take yeah, those we bold steps. We
2: all have to be reminded, right? Every absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <That's laughs> true, Virginia. Sure. Well,
1: and I I love when when you I have heard you tell this story, and I, one thing that sticks out to me is that you say you know one of the reasons why I decided to fight this is I didn't want to be shouting from thirty five feet away right. to these women. I wanted to have intimate conversations with them. I wanted to have loving conversations with them.
2: Right. Because when you're standing back, you're saying, good morning, you know, (laughs) we could talk a minute. And so you are actually yelling and, but it's not anything bad, but it still comes across that way. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then the other part, like if I were walking down the street, Virginia, and then I got to the yellow line, maybe the person, The the mother I'm talking to, she might say to me, well, how can you help me? And then we get to that yellow line and she would keep walking and I would stop and she'd look for me to keep coming. And I said, oh, I can't cross the yellow line. So I I lost momentum. Mm. And meanwhile, she looked at her watch and said, oh, I have an appointment. I have to go. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of this is all happening within minutes, Mm. seconds. It's life and death conversation. And so within a few minutes, you have to make your point And then if you lose it just because of the line... That was always frustrating for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and you were recently just back in Washington D.C. You you testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee during yes. Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson's hearing, um, and you spoke about the the work that you have done for years and years, and um, gave gave testimony on the importance of free speech. Um, why why were you asked to be a part of that confirmation hearing and and give testimony?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Well, um I think they wanted uh, to hear from well, uh, actually Judge Jackson. She was uh, she was for the Buffer Zone back in those days, 2014 and 15. She wanted the Buffer Zone which showed uh, like questioned anyway, questioned her feeling about free speech and then also uh she was very harsh about the sidewalk counselors that are there to help. And she was very harsh. So I think um, I was invited back by the same lawyer that helped me in 2015 to show that free speech is so important and we cannot afford to lose that with any Supreme court justice. We have to, we have to make sure that they will uh, keep going with our free speech Mm-hmm. And then also to point out that our counselors are good people mm-hmm. that were not mean. And so I think that I was the representative of the hundreds and hundreds across the country. You know, during going back to Judge Justice Scalia during the Supreme Court hearing, um, the state of Massachusetts called us protesters and three times Justice Scalia banged on the table <laughs> and said, please call them counselors. They are there to help in the last moment for a woman and a man that have this crucial decision. They're there to, to offer help and options. So please do not call them protesters. So that was, of course, you know, excellent. And that's exactly what we do. So I think they wanted to show that that's what we do. And um, we are good people. You know a, another thing, a lot of times passers by they're gone to work, they'll start yelling. <laughs> <And> they're <laughs> not even in our group. And 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 if anyone does it, anything like that, we just we we tell them to leave. This is no place for anger, no place to be judgmental. Um, this is a time of being a listener. You listen. And you and you and you try to help and you try to have compassion and you understand what the woman is going through. This is huge, Mm -hmm. a huge, huge decision. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that was good. We are there to help. And so I think that was I I, that was my message. First Amendment rights and also counselors are good people.
1: You have a question that you'll often ask um, right away when you're talking with a woman uh, or a father outside a a Planned Parenthood. Could you share a little bit about how how you'll often kick off that conversation just with questions?
2: Sure. Um, I usually, well, all the time, I guess, I just say, good morning. Um, Good morning. Hi, (laughs) I'm Eleanor. And is there something I can do to help you this morning? Or Mm -hmm. I might say, I'm sure I can help you. Mm-hmm. And of course I have my card, Virginia, my little card. It says Hope, Help and Love. Mm-hmm. And it has my telephone number on it and it has my name, Eleanor. So right away I'm sharing a little bit about me. I'm not just a stranger. Within a minute or so I'm showing that, you know, it's okay, you can talk to me, here's my number. And I'm just here to answer any questions or see what I can do to help you the situation. And of course, um, people just are on their way and in a hurry, but then there are always those beautiful words. How can you help me? Or sure. I'll talk with you. Hmm. And, um, just being friendly and just that smile that we do and just saying we're, we're here. And if we can help you in any way, yeah. just let us know we're, we're here for you right at this moment in your life. Yeah. So that's how I begin. Um, and then, yeah, as I say, if, if, uh, how can you help me? Sure, I'll talk to you. Then I usually uh, find out, like, why are they there? The the emphasis at that point is on the woman. Um, she's a byproduct of our society. Here she finds herself right in front of Planned Parenthood, maybe because her father said, don't come home if you ha- don't have that abortion, or the boyfriend said, I'm out of here, or whatever. I want to go to school And here she finds herself there, and then she hears me saying, and all of our, hello, hi, what can I do to help you this morning? Mm. So, So I find out, you know, what brought you here. So now my emphasis is on this particular woman that I'm talking to. What brought you here? What is the problem? What are you going through? Are you sure you're pregnant? Are you getting morning sickness? It's all about the woman. Mm-hmm. At that point, and whatever she tells me is the challenge. I always say, "Yeah, I, I agree. That is a challenge." <laughs> but guess what? We can work through this together. Mm-hmm. And um, and then uh, and if it, so, then we just within three or four minutes, maybe five minutes, and I usually walk a, a little far away. And if there's a little place we could get a cup of coffee, and then and then I, I at this point I say, "Well, why don't we go?" At least see the ultrasound. Make sure you're pregnant. See the ultrasound. Why don't, do you have time to do that? And uh, they do, and, I, and they drive with me or they follow me, and we do the ultrasound. Now, the ultrasound, you can imagine, Virginia, is amazingly powerful mm. because when you hear that heart beating 152 times a minute, I'm still in awe. All these ultrasounds I've seen, it's like a sunrise. You never say, "Oh, I've seen the sunrise before." <laughs> You're always like, "Oh, look at that sunrise." Well, the same thing when you hear that heart beating, it's like, "Oh my gosh!" And then, and then, yeah, when they and then if they if they see a picture, uh, which after about six or seven, well, maybe eight weeks, you can get a really pretty good idea of the baby forming, and then at sixteen weeks, you can find out if it's a boy or girl. I mean, it's just a miracle. The ultrasound is. I've never had anybody that's seen the ultrasound uh, have an abortion. I'm sure it's happened, but generally that is, so powerful! You don't have to say anything; it's worth a million words.
1: Mm-hmm. So for for those listening who are thinking, "Wow, this is amazing! I would love to be a part of of sidewalk counseling or or doing something," um, sure. but they're they're also thinking, "Oh, but I have a family and I have a job, and you know, there's all these things that pull on our time." What what is your sure. what is your advice to you know busy people that want to get involved and in help? Sure. Well, that, that's a
2: good question. Um, Well, you can always, if if need be, you can always pray at home.
0: Mm.
2: If you can't get out, even like older people that really can't get out because they're just homebound. Prayer at home is powerful Uh, for young mothers. Also, Saturdays are good um, to come out on a Saturday if you're busy during the week, or if you just come out for an hour and um, you don't have to, you know, come out for three or four hours, just Give, put in the time you can. Uh, also, wherever you are across the United States, you could call your crisis pregnancy center and see if they need any help there that might fit in with, better with your hours. And, of course, um, you could... Contact your church, Mm -hmm. whatever church you go to, and maybe you could sponsor a baby shower at the church. Mm -hmm. A lot of churches do that in October and January, where they collect things and then give all the baby items to a crisis pregnancy center to give to a new mother. Mm -hmm. So you could maybe do that. Um, Just start something up and then pray. Ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? Give me some ideas. And then uh, we have creative people listening, and they'll think of something because it's easy to say, well, I'm busy. I guess I can't do anything. But there is something. Mm -hmm. And um, another thing that's very important, uh, I find anyway, with my mothers uh, is I have a telephone-like group. And they call the mother and just say, hi, I'm a friend of Eleanor. I just called to see how you're doing. So a, just a telephone call hmm. to a woman that's pregnant, just a, like another person checking on them. Yeah. Um, and and that's a very, it's only a telephone call. It takes three minutes, but that means a lot to my, to a woman that's pregnant. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Eleanor, there's a lot. There is so much. And thank you for I think that's practical just to kind of think think outside the box and think creatively about how we can support these moms. For those that would want to, you know, learn more about what you're doing or support the work you're doing, sure. um, is there is there a way we can do that?
2: Sure. Well, I'll give you my website. The website is hopehelplove.com. It all goes together. Perfect. I also, besides giving my card, there's a little booklet called Watch Me Grow. It's all done in color and it has pictures of the baby going from one month all the way through the nine months. That's very effective. So I have mm-hmm. different little items. And I can certainly, you know, mail them out. So that's no problem.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I'm looking at that. I pulled up your website. I'm looking at it right now, the Watch Me Grow, and it's beautiful. All these pictures that show the progression. Right. It's powerful to be able to just see it. Like, wow. Even at uh, even at one month, you can see that there's a little baby.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. That's incredible. Absolute. Real life. It's life from the moment of conception.
1: Absolutely. Eleanor, I just thank you so much for your time today. We well, just really appreciate it. a pleasure to it. talk
2: with you, Virginia. I was happy to do it.
1: And that's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us again on Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And In the meantime, please subscribe and share. Conservatives need your support in the podcast space, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Apple
0: Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference.
1: Have a great week, and we'll see you Thursday.
0: Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation.
1: It is a product of the Daily Signal produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram.
0: We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.